This week on Beyond Stillness, Stories After Stroke, guest Ralph Cortez, founding broadcaster and executive producer of Stroke Warrior Radio, shares his story entitled Limitless. He has pushed past limits his whole life and now does so throughout the recovery process. Thank you for joining us for part two, Ralph Cortez's interview. Hello and welcome to Beyond Stillness. Stroke offers a powerful, life-changing shift in perspective. Each colorful memory creates a parable for life's greater teachings, a compass for journeys ahead, and inspired wisdom for unique growth. This radio show, Beyond Stillness, offers an hour of pause for storytelling and reflection. Ultimately, Beyond Stillness is a welcoming environment that reveres the moment beyond strokes paralysis. Still moments unite humanity and divinity. I'm your host, Molly Bucola. Today's guest is Ralph Cortez. Ralph is a stroke survivor, a stroke warrior, and the founder, director, and producer of Stroke Warrior Radio, the internet cloud-based station that offers education, motivation, and support for new and old stroke survivors. Today's theme is Limitless. Will you tell us a little bit about your role in the family after your mom's accident and how that motivated you to push through your limits? Well, it was I was the oldest of six, uh, five boys. At the time, I was about 10 years old, 9 or 10, and my mother had taken us to a cooking class at the local utility company. And after her accident, she was up and down kind of things all the time. So I wound up doing cooking. I was the oldest, you know, I was the uh, Italian hierarchy of oldest son. So I had to be involved. My father worked doing three jobs that supported five kids. And I, I did cooking classes. I wound up learning how to do laundry. I did uh, dad's military shirts for his police job. I spit shined all his shoes for work those kind of things for the police job. So it was, I don't know if it was push past limits or I learned responsibility of family. Hmm. It's clear that you've taught your children that too, in the way that you all pulled together after the stroke. Definitely. They are very successful and responsible children and adults. Yeah. You had another brush with death. Tell us a little bit about that and how it informed your approach to your stroke recovery. Well, that was in 2001. I had a, what they call ventricular tachycardia. And on the emergency room table one night, I died three times. I mean, I saw the light in the tunnel. So it was like an amazing experience, a very frightful experience. But it was amazing that I still had a life to live. And with my religious upbringing, I saw the light. So I had a greater belief 
and that heavenly thought, you know, I don't want to get too religious here, but I did have a belief in that thought, and I wound up learning to appreciate things, the simpler things in life a lot more. Uh, the trees growing, the flowers uh, blooming, you know, the water running, those kind of things. That became very outdoorsy. And um, that helped me with the stroke recovery that life wasn't over with some kind of trauma, you know, that you can continue on. And it can be better than it was before that trauma. Huh. It, it just taught me that life is very precious and that you have to pay attention to life. Do not give up. There's no way. Uh, it's amazing how themes come up again and again throughout our lives. And sometimes we're like, okay, yeah, I know we're supposed to take every chance we can get and do this and that. But when we actually have a brush with death or something intense happen, like you say, we become more aware of the things around us, the trees growing. I have a friend that he was painting one day and he got stuff in his eyes and he had to go to the hospital and they were burning, burning, burning. And he was in the truck going from his grandpa's house to the hospital and he was trying to take in every scene because he thought, what if this is the last time I'm ever going to be able to see? Oh my gosh. <laughs> right? And he was a 12-year-old helping his grandpa paint and that has stuck with him forever. You're right. When we have these moments when things are about to get taken away from us, all of a sudden we see everything differently. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, that's for sure. So you mentioned your mental health throughout the talk. Can you tell me a little bit more about your mental health journey? Well, it was interesting because I started with a business partner I had. He said, Ralph, I really think you ought to talk to your doctor about the push because uh, I really think there might be something going on, which I kind of resented at the time, but I had a difficult time with that board here anyway. But <laughs> um, I did go to the doctor and I started on Prozac and it didn't make a difference at mm. the time. Um, unfortunately, after there's been periods in my life where I've tangled with drugs, I've tangled with other things that um, caused me to be misdiagnosed with bipolar disease, mm. which caused issues with the drugs that I was taking. I still have a sort of dyspnea, which is the involuntary movements of your feet and mouth or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so it's been through a lot of counseling for the depression, through a lot of counseling for the changes in my life from uh, a, a divorce, uh, changes in my life from um, the stroke, you know, those kind of things. And counseling has helped me a great deal to recognize things that I am causing uh, that's not absolutely something else causing, you know, that it's just my thinking. So I've learned a lot about uh, mental health through that to the point where I even took care to hear specialist training for uh, uh, patients to help uh, come here, here sports patients. How do you suggest people find a counselor or a psychologist? I know that sometimes it's hard to find someone you connect with. How do you suggest people go about that search? Well, I, I'm a little bit 
And that's a little bit of a tough question for me because I've dealt, well, not really. I've dealt with counselors, I've done dealt with psychologists, and I've dealt with psychiatrists. So the psychiatrists, don't go to them first. They're medical people. They're medical people. They're going to give you drugs. Most of the time, you don't need the drug. A psychologist or a counselor, a counselor is probably the best place to start, and you need to do research. Do they specialize in alcohol? Do they specialize in addiction? Do they specialize in depression? But they're, now with this internet-based uh, world we live in, there's a lot of research that you can get that will tell you who the best people are. And don't settle for the first one you go to. Hmm. I mean, you can fire your counselors and psych- psychologists. Health insurance cannot tell you which one to go to, except for the network. But, you know, if you don't get along, you're not happy with it, go to somebody else. You know, and keep the people that challenge you, that uh-huh. don't let you get away with the law. Hmm. I guess that's the best way I can describe it anyway. <laughs> yeah, thank you. And throughout the talk, you mentioned a few times the people that you found that you felt were on your team. And that goes beyond the mental health side. I remember you named Arlette and some other key people within your recovery process. Are you still in contact with those people? I wish I was a little bit more. I, Since I moved up here, I do email them. Uh, uh-huh. All of those people at Ace a lot. Uh-huh. So was moved away. I think she moved back. But uh, Aaron, I write it. Often, um, you know, um, I try and communicate with them. Arlette retired and wound up going through a divorce, so I couldn't get a hold of her. But I wish I would would have had better touch, you know. Arlette, for instance, you, you named her in this talk and you're not connected with her. What would you say to her now? You're years removed, you live in a different city, and you've launched a radio program. <laughs> what would you say to her? Thank you, number one, uh, because Arlette, you were right. I can't stop. I have to keep going, and I am better than I believe I am. Mm. I mean, she was probably the biggest motivation I needed six months after my stroke, and she kept me going. And I mean, she did his stuff. She said, you want to climb a ladder? Let's get a ladder and teach you how to do it again. Mm. You know, that kind of thing. So she never let me quit. Uh, and I really appreciate that. I'll never forget her. Never. And you're right. You said she showed up at just the right time. And I think that there are people in all of our lives that show up at just the right time and either say or do just the right thing. They might just show up and sit next to you and you're like, man, I really needed that person sitting next to me. So and we true. don't know when we're that person. And Ralph, you're that person for people now. You're creating this community and you're heavily involved in Stroke Awareness Oregon. You've launched the radio station. It's, it goes back to what I said earlier. You've got to pay attention. You know, there's things that are happening around you that you need to notice. Mm. And once you notice it, uh, it makes a difference in your life. 
it has for me anyway. I'm pausing there because that's a very profound statement. Thank you. Thank you. Ralph, now that you've shared your story, what's your hope for people who are listening to this show? The word you used in the question, oh, there is hope. You know, when I started my recovery journey, I wasn't given a lot of hope in the first six months. Not much at all. And I had to learn it. But people need to understand in the beginning or even in the future, because my recovery is a good example. After six and a half years, I'm, ru I'm running. Um, there is hope. Don't ever give up. Pay attention to that hope. I mean, there's so much that can interfere. There's physical limitations that come up. There's falls. There's, you know, changes in your prescriptions, changes in your physical therapy. But there is hope, and don't ever give up on finding the, what's right for you. Mm -hmm. Your story says that you say that our hope is for everyone. Ralph, how do we find StrokeWire Radio and the community that you're gathering? Uh, our website is strokewireradio.com, and on that side, you'll, there's four or five different pages. The first page, there's a tune-in button, and you click on that tune-in button, and you can listen to the radio. We have uh, shows on physical therapy, occupational therapy, assisted living, um, stroke support groups, caregiver groups. I mean, there's a whole litany of things that I didn't know before that I want people to know now. And it's intertwined with some music here and there. You know, I do a few dry notes of 70s, 50s, 60s, jazz, country. <laughs> Whatever people want to listen to, it's there. I love it. How did you choose what shows you wanted? Well, I, I looked back over my recovery and thought about all the things that I didn't know early on that I learned later on, and those are the things I'm trying to share. You know, the occupational therapy pieces. I mean, I was talking to a stroke survivor in an interview a couple of weeks ago, and she didn't know about this little sock tool. To buy. It's a little PVC thing with ropes. Pull on your socks. You know, there's something that people need to know about. I mean, there's all kinds of information out there that I learned along the way that should have been told to me by the medical profession early on, and it wasn't. Huh. So I'm trying to make sure that everybody has the opportunity to learn what we didn't know and that they can advocate for themselves. I love it. Well, Ralph, thank you. My pleasure. Thank you My for pleasure. sharing your story with us. Thank you for sharing your experiences and thanks for turning around your experience with stroke and offering it back to our community. It's such an inspiration in ways that we too, hopefully in the future, can turn our stories around in order to offer them to others, in order to lift others up. It's a beautiful thing. Thank you. So as we close today, let us hold space, hold space for ways that we have passed beyond the limits that were set for us. Hold space now for the people in our lives 
that have joined us on our journey, who have offered us their own stories, who have offered us space and time, patience and love, wisdom, knowledge, support, and challenge. Yes, challenge. We're thankful today for Ralph. We're thankful for the people who have showed up for us, and we ask for the courage to be there for others. Thank you for devoting time and space to listen to part two, Ralph Cortez interview. For the full story, please listen to part one, Ralph Cortez story on Beyond Stillness, stories after stroke. Each colorful memory creates a parable for life's greater teachings, a compass for journeys ahead, and inspired wisdom for unique growth. In this episode of Beyond Stillness, guest Ralph Cortez, founding broadcaster and executive producer of Stroke Warrior Radio, shared his story entitled Limitless. He has pushed past limits his whole life and now does so throughout the recovery process. If you enjoyed this moment of pause for storytelling and reflection, please like or subscribe to the Beyond Stillness Stories After Stroke podcast. Again, thanks for listening. And remember, as part of the stroke community, you are more than supportive. You are inspirational. I'm your host, Molly Bucola. If you are part of the stroke community and have a story you'd like to share on the show, please contact us, email m-o-l-l-y at beyondstillness.org. 